So welcome back to the Lift Your Life podcast. I do think that last time I had Hayley on, Hayley is, you're the first, I think you're the first repeat guest, which is, um, should be pretty honoured to the first to come back. But I think it was the Barbells, Bikini and Biz, but we have had a bit of a shift on the podcast to Lift Your Life. But I have brought Hayley back. If you haven't gone listen to the first one, please do, because it's awesome. Um, so we're not going to eke out the whole introduction thing today, because really... Everyone should know who you are because if they haven't, they haven't listened to the first one. That's just purely rude. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about different things today, but for anyone who has been rude or has forgotten, slept a little bit since then, it's been probably, probably nearly a year, which is madness, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Um, just a bit of an introduction as to who you are, what you do, what you're about, and then we'll get into the topic of today's podcast. So I'm Hayley Irwin. Um, I am an online coach and I have now gone back to personal training as well. Um, I have competed previously. Um, I have been an online coach and PT for just over four years now, um, which seems mad. It seems like it's flown by. Um, and yeah, I recently, I think part of the reason that Lucy wanted me to get back um, on the podcast was because since we last spoke, um, my goals have massively shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the person that I am as well has changed massively as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of me. I, I'm, I'm more of a mindset and lifestyle coach. I have previously done, um, obviously I've competed and I've, as I say, as a result, some of my clients were competitors or photo shoot clients, et cetera, but I have massively changed my branding a bit like you, Lucy, that the fact that it's now a mindset-based lifestyle coaching and I kind of just transform your life um, and be happy. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I'm all about that vibe. Um, but let's just go first back into your sort of background with competing. So when I first ever followed you on social media, again, this must have been about four or five years ago. Um, it was when you were first actually getting into PT and um, so I, I literally followed your YouTube video like back in the day like those oh, I love ones. it I was one of the viewers subscribers thanks the OGs <laughs> OGs I'm still here um and I remember following you and you were doing your your first ever prep um so let's just talk a little bit about your history with competing why you got into it and um, you've done a few seasons as well and mm-hmm. but yeah let's just talk about that to start with So I first competed in November of 2017. Um, I had previously um, suffered with an eating disorder. So I fell ill, so to speak, with an eating disorder when I was 19. Um, And it was categorized as anorexia nervosa, which is essentially a bit like orthorexia or like an obsession with exercise and clean eating. It's not an obsession with literally starving yourself as such, um, but you're just in such a huge deficit and you have a um, issue with control um, and all of that sort of thing. And I think control is the key word that I, I want to emphasize here because I've openly said multiple times that my way of getting into competing was to be able to control what I was eating and what I was doing without those around me uh, worrying, so to speak. I mean, they definitely worried, but you know, that that was like by the by. Um, so yeah, so I quote unquote recovered or at least thought I had recovered um, in 2016, um, embarked on an off season. And prior to even developing an eating disorder when I first got into the gym, I'd always had my heart set on competing, um, partly because I've grown up in a performance background. So 
you know, um, singing, dancing, acting, all of that sort of thing. And then when I got into the gym, obviously competing was my way to merge those. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is important to remember that it wasn't solely because I wanted to control my eating disorder. Um, but the reason that I, I embarked on it so soon afterwards because I was had become unhappy with my body composition and I, it was my way of being like, right, I can restrict what I'm eating. I can do cardio and my parents and those around me can't worry because I've got a coach who's telling me to do that. um so yeah and then obviously competed November 2017 Mm -hmm. um I came fourth so I didn't place top three um but that really lit my fire in terms of um the actual sport of competing and bodybuilding that off season I was still very definitely um restrictive I wouldn't allow myself the same off-plan meals without you know massively holding back what I'd been eating before um I stayed very very lean in that off season and everyone praised me for it and I think that's something that I stress so much is that yes obviously to a certain extent it it can be admirable that I managed to do a whole prep and then I only put on 5kg after show and you know I was the only person that seemed to have competed for the first time without binging or whatever but I think it's so important that you are aware of how you talk to people because I think you know everyone was saying like oh my god you look so good you look even better now than you did in prep because obviously I started to fill out a bit and all of that sort of stuff but my head was so messed up but because my body didn't show that everyone just thought I was smashing it and smashing life um so then I competed again the following year um and then the year after that as well um I'd always planned to take 2020 off that had always been my plan uh just because I'd done sort of three years on the bounce and I was starting to see negative repercussions in terms of um hormone function um my hair was falling out all of that sort of stuff uh so 2020 was meant to be my year to be like healthy which to a certain extent I achieved um I was with a coach who I left Josh temporarily, uh, went with a coach who I had thought was going to sort of like fix that side of things, mm-hmm. essentially made me put on a, a hell of a lot of weight. Um, and actually my relationship with food just got worse as opposed to getting better. Um, and then I have ended up taking 2021 off as well. Um, I started dieting again in January, um, and my body just hasn't responded in the way that I wanted to, um, I lost my period for six years over the fact of uh, being ill and then competing. And I got it back in 2020 within four months of dieting. I'd lost it again. Yeah. Um, despite obviously being at a much higher body fat, um, it just, my body just wasn't happy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then obviously took a step back with that sort of thing. So competing was put off for another year and yeah, I, I, I don't know when, I will compete again. I, th- I think I will at some point, like there's still definite love and respect of bodybuilding, but I just needed a break from focusing on the aesthetics mm-hmm. and I needed to be able to focus on performing um, and switching up my training a bit. And I think it's really important to like remember that I didn't train to compete. I competed because I trained and now I'm not training in that same way. You know, who knows when I'll next step on stage. For sure. That last part's really, really interesting as well. And I didn't actually know all that about sort of like your periods and the dieting and responding because I'm in a very, very similar position to yourself right now mm-hmm. in that I'd lost mine. Um, we've kind of figured out that mine have been pretty much gone and messed up for probably a similar time frame to yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm literally in the same position as you right now that I've been dieting since June. Um, yeah, June. And it's not been particularly harsh, but my body's not really responding. And I'm in a position now where I've not, I've got two back and I've not had another one, even though, again, my body fat is at a decent level. My calories and expenditure aren't anything crazy in terms of a deficit. Um, so it's interesting, that one. Um, are we ready to talk a little bit about that? Because I know I, was, I, know I gave yeah, you a preempted schedule. Like, this is what we're talking about. But yeah. Well. Um, so context-wise then, um, what did you sort of do? I know we've had a little bit of a discussion on a personal level, but just for the people on the podcast, what did you, when did you sort of realise that you needed to sort of take control with your sort of periods? And what, what did you actually do in order to, to regain them? So, um I'd always known in the back of my mind, I needed to get get period my period back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very easy. And I think a lot of people fall into the trap of, it's so much bloody easier not to have a period. And I was always like, well, I don't really want kids anyway. So what's the point in me having a period? Like blah, 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 blah. And then um, through further like CPD courses, et cetera, I just spent a lot of time learning about female, female hormones and you know how having a period is so important for so many reasons other than simply to have a baby like you know in terms of bone density and all of that sort of stuff which I know you personally have found out the hard way Mm -hmm. um so I I knew that I needed to do so and so after my final year of competing um in 2019 me and Josh both Josh McHale both agreed that I needed to spend some time getting my hormones back um had an underactive thyroid like all of that sort of thing um and my my body was just like my liver function came back as so I had blood tests um hormone levels were low um and my like I said my thyroid thyroid was really underactive um so then I started taking levothyroxine and it still was underactive um still wasn't working properly um my liver came back as not functioning as it should do and all of that sort of stuff and I basically just had to take a step back from training intensity, training frequency, um, and just giving myself the opportunity to put on a little bit of body fat and stay there as opposed to putting a bit of body fat and then stripping it straight back off. Mm. Um, Before my 2019 season was the first time that I put on um, quote unquote enough body fat, arguably, but that my body started to do something. Like I started to have really big, food cravings my boobs started growing like I could tell I was on the brink of a period I kind of had a bit of spotting um and that was in the April of 2019 um the back end of April I was actually on holiday in Turkey at the time um and then in the May I got back and on the 7th of May I started prep so then obviously I was as soon as my body had got to that happy point I was then forcing it back into something it wasn't ready for um so yeah, so um, I finished competing in November, 2019. Um, and that was always the aim then to just get my health back essentially. Um, and then obviously went into lockdown in March, 2020. So naturally, because I didn't have equipment, obviously no one really had access to a gym at that point either. Training intensity naturally fell off um, just through not having access to more than like 40 kg of weight. Um, and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, I, but I was still at the time eating as if I was training so intensely. Sure. Um, 
prior to lockdown, um, I was training with uh, Louis Fulton um, and our sessions were like two, two and a half hours. Yeah. I was like crying every session. I was getting pushed so much, which was freaking awesome. I loved it. But my caloric expenditure in those sessions compared to a 45 minute home leg day in the lounge. Yeah, bit different. Bit different. Bit different. So I, I naturally put on weight anyway, obviously. Um, and then in the April, I got my period. No, March, May, maybe. I got my period. Um, and it came back with a vengeance. I had a period every other week for six months. So my I mentally, I was just in a horrendous place because I was constantly PMSing. <laughs> Yeah, because I I, I finish a period, then I'd be back into that PMS state. Yeah, so I was always, and I I was never ovulating at this point. Like I could never feel it, but I was just constantly in that PMS state. So I was in a really bad spot mentally. But again, I knew I needed to stay there. And then the coach that I went with afterwards was like, right, we just need to keep keep this going, keep building up food, like all of this sort of stuff. Um, and then we tried a mini cut. My I lost a couple of kilos, but I think that was mainly just from inflammation because I was eating so yeah. much food. Yeah. Um, and then I left him and just did my own thing for a couple of months. And I was just like, again, my periods were still a bit all over the shop. And then I spoke to Josh and he was like, well, maybe it's because you've been eating too much food. Like that that can have an impact yeah. as well. Um, so we started dieting in the January. Um, it was slow, but you know, relatively steady. I think I lost about in this, I did lose like a significant amount. I think I lost about, in a, I mean, over six months, I lost about eight to 10 kilos. Um, and it just sort of plateaued from there, despite what we were doing with food, et cetera. And then obviously, as soon as I started that in the April, I think I'd lost like two kilos a month, like January, February, March, April. And then I just lost my period again, like straight off the bat. Um, and I was like, this is just, it's just wasn't long enough. I think that's the thing that people struggle with. They're like, okay, I've got my period back. Woohoo. Like, yeah. I'm fine now. And it's like, well, well, no, like you lost it for six years. Having one, two, three periods isn't going to be enough to, yeah. to keep it there because your body is so fragile at that point. Um, so yeah, so I sort of like bumped calories back up to maintenance um, and I've just sort of sat there for a bit and, and made sure that I've, I've had consistent periods and I've just learning to embrace the fact that like I, I can't just go full steam ahead again. Mm. Have you had them consistently now and for a decent amount of time? Yeah, so I've um, had them, so I lost them for May, June, July and they're no May, June, and then halfway through July. So I missed like two and a half months. And then I had one um, and they've been on a cycle of every three weeks as of, so it's like a 21 day cycle. Okay. So it's still, it's still relatively uh, like short, um, but you know, it, it's much better than every other week anyway. God, yeah, I can't even imagine that, genuinely. Yeah, honestly no, horrendous. Yeah, oh no, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just interested as well, if you don't mind when you first then got them back, because my, I've only had two um, since regaining. The first one was just pretty steady away. I was like, oh, all right. Mm -hmm. The second one I had literally was probably the, the most ill I've ever been in my entire life. I genuinely woke up, couldn't get out of bed. Um, I'm Honestly, I thought I'd feel like horrendous food poisoning or like some sort of virus or COVID again or something. I was awful. And it was that. So I just wondered if you had any sort of regaining at any, I know you had the PMS or side effects, but any sort of, 
ups and downs would actually be gaining it in terms of how severe they were, that sort of thing. Oh, they're horrendous, like awful. Um, so I actually went on the pill when I was 16 because my periods were so bad. Yeah. Um, they put me on the pill because they were like, right, you get, because I they're really heavy. I just go anemic like super quickly. So my energy levels are through the floor. Um, and it was actually first where my mum took me to the doctor about my mood because she was like, there's something seriously wrong here. And they were like, go on the pill. It will regulate your mood as well. So obviously did that. Um, and I'd forgotten how much of an effect they had on me. Um, mentally, I just, it, I've been speaking to the doctor recently and they have diagnosed me with PMDD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's premenstrual dysphoric disorder uh, for those who don't know. And essentially it's like the deepest, darkest depression, um, like the week prior and the week of your period. Um, so it's very much similar to the PMS sort of symptoms, but on a level that is like horrendous. And that would explain so much as to why I completely lost my shit, so to speak, last year, because I was constantly in that phase. And I would always say to people, like, it's so, my mood is so up and down. Like my ex-boyfriend, um, this is before I even got my period back, to be fair, <laughs> um, in like 2019, 2018. He was like, you, I literally feel like you have bipolar. Um, it was when, it was just before I'd like sort of started to think I was going to get my period back when I started to get those symptoms um, before I started my 2019 prep. And he was like, honestly, like I, 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 I wake up in the morning and I don't know what mood you're going to be in. And I'm like, literally neither do I, because I look at you sometimes and I just want to love you. And then the other times I'm like, do not fucking touch me. <laughs> like, honestly, um, and I said, I, I remember saying to my friends, I just like, it's honestly exhausting. Mm. Um, so like I said, when last year, when I first got my period back, my mood was horrendous. Um, my motivation, my, I just couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't see anyone. Um, I would literally lock myself in my room um, and they would be super heavy. My cramps would be horrendous. I'd actually throw up sometimes. Um, so for like, the, the duration of lockdown number one, I was just like, what is going on with me? Um, and they are still very bad now, um, but not quite as bad. Like they're not as heavy anymore, but my symptoms are still awful. Um, but then what, like, well, it's really weird because like I said, I've, I've suffered really badly with my mental health, but I, I do think a lot of that is due to my period mm. um, because I'll have a couple of weeks where I'll be fine. Um, and then I'll just go back into this thing where I'm anxious. I can't sleep. Um, I'm really low. I'm crying all the time. Like I literally got into my dog's bed like a few weeks ago and just literally sobbed. (laughs) Um, and then my period will go and I'll be absolutely fine again. It's completely mad. Yeah. It's it's frustrating, isn't it? They don't really do anything. They'll just, I'm guessing, say, no, take some antidepressants, I'll just do this, just do that. Mm. Just do some exercise or whatever. It's like, yeah, I, I work in the fitness industry, and I do exercise. Oh, I was literally, actually, I did a um, Loom video PowerPoint presentation for my clients about um, periods and training and all of that mm. sort of stuff and nutrition. Um, and part of it was I did talk about PMDD and, and what they say to suggest about it. So they said, take antidepressants. Brilliant. Um, I mean, I was actually already on them. Um because of the state that I was in last year, I got to the point where um, 
I actually was like, I, I can't be here anymore. Like I, I'm, at, I'm at crisis at this point. Um, I just remember sitting in the garden with my mum and my brother. And I was just like, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I actually feel like I, I don't want to be here. Um, so obviously went to the doctors, got antidepressants um, and all of that sort of stuff. And I, I didn't feel like they helped me, but I guess that's because what was going on in my head was, was hormonal for the large part of it and therefore taking antidepressants wasn't sorting out what was going on with my hormones no it, it it's just obviously blocking various different things but it, it wasn't helping me um but they, they were t- telling me I, I, I you've you've been on antidepressants haven't you i have yeah i just to say if this if it's an ssri and you've got no serotonin because your hormones are up and down it's like well it's blocking nothing from coming back up in the first instance for me so literally literally yeah, I, I didn't get on with them very well because for me it was papering over a crack to something more deep-rooted so mm. it's not doing anything um, and it's just it's, it's honestly such a cop-out way of cope you know dealing with things it's just like it's, like I said it's papering over the cracks it's going to potentially you know boost a few hormones and what have you but if it, the hormones aren't there in the first instance and the neurochemicals aren't there in the first instance or it's something more deep rooted, isn't really going to solve anything, is it? No, when, when when my periods started like, you know, leveling out a little bit more, I'd be like, oh my God, actually they are working. Yeah. And then I'd fall back into that place as soon as I was sort of due on again. Um, but they, they told, they tell people to take these antidepressants the week before your period's due which I just don't, I don't understand whether they think it's kind of a placebo effect or something, because yeah. obviously we all know that antidepressants get worse before they get better, if they're going to work at all. Yes. So I don't understand why you take them for one week out of the month and then no. you'll be fine. Like that just boggles my mind. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that all the ones I've been on have said that you need to go for like three weeks consistently in order for them to do their thing. So that's- Exactly. That's really bad actually. Awful. And then the other thing is eat healthy and exercise. Brilliant. Well, thanks for that absolutely yeah. useless piece of advice because I, I am exercising, still not working. Again, I think they think it's this whole like placebo effect and it's, it's for the gen pop who- don't move off the sofa much anyway, mm-hmm. because I'm just like, how can actually eating healthy or exercising, like if you're already doing that, like what what more do they want from you? For sure, absolutely. And I, I've, I've found that really, really, it's not funny but when I've been in that position, like just do more exercise. It's laughable. I, I train five days a week, eat yeah. healthy. I, I do personally, mm. train, I, know, I know how to eat healthy. Oh, well, you know, just, um, take more drugs they, they've just got nothing and it's hard because I think I mentioned this in your last the last podcast I did with you my mum works for the NHS yeah not directly with mental health but she was like what what would you want them to do yeah and it is hard because I get it because you just think well actually what would you want them to do because you want it, them to make it better right Fast. but but how but how do they do that for sure but I think in general female physiology and hormones in within the NHS is very misunderstood. Like yeah. the advice that I've been given from GPs who I know it's not necessarily their fault because it's the training they have. I think I heard it somewhere. I don't know if it was a podcast or I spoke to someone that the training they get on stuff like female menstrual cycles and physiology, was something ridiculous, like a few hours out of their whole degree. And it's like every single woman that comes to you from 14, maybe younger, depending on when you first get your period, up until into their like 60s, is going to have some sort of hormonal issue from coming on their menstrual cycle, losing their menstrual cycle, hysterectomies, you know, PCOS, 
the, the what the change I've forgotten the word of it what's what's the word of it change the menopause menopause that's it I don't know why that <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought my own books with everything that happened myself and what I've read up on from just general books you know nothing particularly academic and going on to webinars and speaking to other coaches and people in the industry I've learned so much I actually feel to an extent I know more and can give better advice and guidance not saying I'm a GP by the way or anything to my clients and friends and what have you about their periods of hormones than a GP can and does Mm-hmm. And that's wrong on so many levels. It's like, no wonder so many of us are in positions that we are now. Like for us, the position we're at with our hormones is hard to fix. Mm. But if we had better advice potentially and guidance a few years back, maybe we wouldn't be in the position that we are now. I think a lot of the issue is, and I know this is a massive generalization, sure. but historically these issues are being fixed by men, male mm. doctors who have no understanding of how that feels. And I think that that's part of the issue is that they will never understand it. And yeah, now we've got loads of female doctors, but again, they're not given the training and they're also, it's just embedded in everyone. Oh, the pill fixes everything. I mean, I I don't know why, but. It doesn't, it doesn't. And it's, I don't know what you've had to do in the past yourself when you've done your own sort of bloods and everything, but I'm actually on Thursday going to get because I've had no follow-ups, no chase-ups, no nothing, um, without having to push it myself. And I've just got to a point now where I'm just I'm sick of it because mm. the health advice that I've got is has been terrible, it's been wrong. Mm. Um, I've actually spoken to people who have been referred to the same gynecologist as myself, and they basically just said she's an absolute nightmare. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm like, brilliant. This is the, the expert who's on, you know. Yeah. 150 grand a year or what have you and she can't even help me so I'm paying 100 pounds to go and get one set of bloods which is an out two hours out of my day as well to go drive to go there and it's it's ridiculous that we have to do that just to be quote unquote healthy and make that decision ourselves but again I don't know how we change that ourselves. that's the thing is that there's it's so hard to to have any impact isn't there like without actually I guess working for the NHS yourself yeah um it, yeah and I don't but that's the issue is that like it it, it stems back to well, we shouldn't have to pay privately to get the answers that we need um and that we deserve quite frankly but but what other options are there I'm very fortunate I'm in a position now where I can do that but a few months ago I think it's gonna cost me about 100 quid 100 pounds and that dry I couldn't do that and most mm. a lot of people can't afford to do that and it's sad you know it's sad isn't it that mm. people can't and we'll have to just put up and shut up and deal with it mm-hmm. um, let's talk about what you're doing now then so I know we've gone from way off on a tangent then to what we're really <laughs> about. this is the structure so we're talking about but so you are doing sort of more functional style training now I know you've had to sort of take a bit of a back step and you've made that decision based upon mm-hmm everything that's going on with you and your body and what have you but what's made you make the decision to do the route you have are you working with anyone are you focusing I know you haven't got an aesthetics focus but do you have any sort of goals within that just to keep you focused and driven so um I reached out to um a guy called coach Harry on Instagram um who is Georgia Rose's boyfriend because I saw that she was doing those functional stuff and I was like look can I have a bit of guidance with that um, I'm not working with anyone, um, but he did um, 
I think he has like a subscription thing where you can have like a fun, like look at the fundamentals of stuff, which has really helped. Um, and then I just did a CPD course myself um, on like functional training. Um, so I sort of like married the two up um, and sort of like come up with my own program, program from that. I definitely have an aesthetics goal in terms of like general weight loss, so to speak. Um, but to be honest, after you know, six years of bodybuilding. And obviously prior to that, just having like a genuine bad relationship with food and my body, um, I just decided I needed to have something that where aesthetics was going, my, my body image was going to change or the image of my body, sorry, not my body image was going to change. Because I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted of hating the skin that I'm in and constantly criticizing myself. And bodybuilding is an amazing sport and I love it. And I, and I'm, and I do still do like a leg and a, legs and an upper day, um, which is very much bodybuilding focused. And then I'll do three more functional styles of, of training where like I'll do, so I'll do like a bodybuilding upper, a bodybuilding lower, and then I'll do a functional upper, a functional lower, and then like a conditioning workout. Um, and, and I still love it, but it's just, it wasn't doing it for me in terms of pushing myself in that, in the way that I wanted to be pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yes, I like you, you get stronger. Yes. You push yourself. Yes. It, you know, is a, a lot to, you've got, there's a lot to put into it, but I just wanted to be fitter. I just mm. wanted to feel healthier you know, I've, I've had these hormonal issues, um, for, for years and I've masked them with competing and prep. And now that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't competing and I didn't have that aesthetics goal in the same way. I'm chasing a feeling and I'm, I'm chasing feeling fit. And if someone says, oh, can you jump? Can you run? Can you do this? I'm like, yeah, I actually can instead of being like, nah, but I can deadlift 150 kilos. Like that, it just no longer set my soul on fire. And it's so weird because I see so many people who are like, oh, bodybuilding is my life. And I can't imagine ever, like I'll never give it up. And that was a hundred percent me. Like I never saw myself stepping away from that, but I just want to feel fit. Yeah. I just want to be able to, perform and I don't just want to chase something I think where aesthetics in terms of a chasing a really lean physique cannot be my goal at the moment because my body just needs some TLC after six seven years of thrashing it mm. bodybuilding wasn't giving me that that same drive and that goal because I'm like well I can't see what I'm changing yeah and bodybuilding is so aesthetics focused sure. that, but I'm not getting that aesthetics focused and I'm sitting there and my mental health, I feel crap. So I'm sitting there in between sets, like, oh, for God's sake. Whereas I just wanted to do something that was like, get in there, go, go, go. It's a challenge. I can't think I just need to do. There's, you know, minimal rest times with EMOMs and things like that. And it was just giving me more of an endorphin rush than doing the sets of the same thing over and over again. Mm. And like I said, 
I'm I will I know I will go back to bodybuilding at some point yeah um but for right now I just need mentally to stop looking for changes aesthetically and to start looking at changing in like how I feel yeah and functional training offers me that that's pretty cool that's awesome. So what are you doing from like a food perspective as well? Are you tracking? You're not tracking? You need to be tracking. So obviously you've got a lot of experience with tracking. And mm. um, yeah, you know I'm not what. really tracking food at all. Um, oh. I'm trying to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full, but be mindful with it still because I'm not in a position where I should be gaining weight at all. Um, so, you know, it's not like a free-for-all in any sense of the word. And, you know, I, I would still... I'm still choosing options that I know fit my long-term goals of like performance and feeling good and losing weight because I know that I will feel better as well when I'm a little bit, when I've lost a little bit more body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not my sole focus and priority. And it's not, you know, I don't, I'm trying to live my life essentially. Like after, as you, as I say, most of my, my off seasons, all of my off seasons were maximum one off plan meal a week. Um, and it was, you know, so, so with being ill and bodybuilding, there were six years when I wouldn't allow myself an off plan meal at all while I was ill or one every week. So I, I socially, I missed out on so much and it's really weird because I was, I convinced myself that eating out, I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy dessert. I didn't enjoy all of these things. I didn't enjoy going out for a drink with my friends and having a dance. Whereas like a couple of weeks ago, I went out, had a couple of drinks and just danced all night with my friends and I had the best time. But because of these unknown calories and alcohol and I don't know what I'm eating and the lack of control, it's going back to that control thing. Mm-hmm. I'd convinced myself I didn't want to do it. And, and I was so sure of it. And it, it's bizarre to me to think that it now, because I look at it and I'm like, what am I going to look back on? Yeah. Like the, the last year has been really tough, but I've made some amazing memories and I've been out and I've had cocktails and I've had, you know, a dance and I've been for a weekend away and not thought, oh my God, I'm having more of planned meals or whatever. And I just feel like I need to live. I need to be healthy in every sense of the word. Mm. And it's funny because I, I I probably don't look the healthiest that I've ever looked because I've got more body fat than normal, normal, quote unquote. But I feel the healthiest I've felt in so long because mentally my work's better, my business is better because I'm not planning everything around a food schedule and a training schedule. And, you know, I can socialize three times in one week and then not not for a week, like, there's just not these rules and these limitations that I've put on myself that people praise because they were like, you're so disciplined. You're so this, like, you're amazing. Da, 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 da. Look at you doing 20,000 steps a day. And that's, you know, it's just more, more, more culture. And I've, I'm trying to take a step back from that yeah. and being like, actually, if I don't want to do 20,000 steps a day, if I want to do five, that's fine. You know, I, I need to, rest when I need to rest. I need to enjoy training. I need to enjoy socializing and going out. And I don't need to be scared of that or think, oh my God, if I'd have a drink tonight, then my training's not going to be optimal tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. And that's not to slag off anyone who does that like at all, because 
it takes a lot. And I know that a lot of people need that. And, and I needed that, like at that point, like everything serves a purpose, right? But I've just come to realize that for me right now, I, I need to live. I'm in my mid twenties. And since I was 19 and my life has been so regimented. And, and like I said, I adored it and I loved it, but I also need to learn to love myself away from my de- identity as the fit, skinny, strong girl and just a competitor and just be the healthy girl. And no, I don't look like a, anything special, but that's okay. You know, I can, I feel, I feel better. And that's, what's important. I think letting go of that identity is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Mm. And going back to the PT job that I have, it, it's in the same place that I did. I worked at four years ago when I was competing and I was terrified to go back and, you know, be 20 kilos heavier than I was the last time I was there and all of that sort of stuff. And and not, but do you know what? It's it's mad because everyone who works there still, who used to work there before, have been has been like, oh my god, you're like a breath of fresh air. You're so much more fun to be around. You're so much nicer because I'm not hangry and cold and tired, and all of that sort of stuff. I'm more sociable. I've got more friends because they'd invite me out, and I'd be like, there's no way that I'm going out. And it's just, like I said, I, I'm not bashing anyone. Um, because there is a there is a time and a place for all of that, but right now, that 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 time and the place is is not where I am. No, that's great. Mm. And it, yeah, it's weird because I, I just I never saw it happening. No, you don't. Being so immersed in the it's a very immersive world. Anyone who has gone into the realms of bodybuilding, because it becomes your life, doesn't it? It becomes absolutely every single part of your life. It isn't just like a hobby like horse riding or football where you go and do it on an evening and what have you it's everything it's from the second you get up to the second you go to bed all day every day 24 7 Mm -hmm. the people that you socialize with everything becomes that so like when I took a step I did take trying to take a step back earlier this year it was a struggle because it's like well who am I now like Mm. what who am I what, what am I about and I have found that especially because I, I do have a circle of friends who do compete and what have you I've gone to a few events this year I've realized that taking a step back from it isn't actually the right thing for me and I was forcing myself to be something I wasn't because mm-hmm. I like you I do love it but it's also now for me accepting the other part of myself that I do have an identity outside of it and what it has shown me is that I need to prioritize that as well and make sure that that is a priority as well you know things like family and friendship and other things that I enjoy doing and enjoy being that is who I am as well mm. and that it's okay to have both and be both I think yeah, there is that as well isn't it? you've got to be either this hardcore bodybuilder no mm. days off bro or a free spirit vibing doing what you want but you can be in that middle ground where you love and be passionate and give to it but also give to other elements of your mm-hmm. life as well you can be both 100% and people are like oh my god like you're training so hard at the moment and I'm like yeah I am like it like I'm training so hard but I'm also like living hard (laughs) as well which I know sounds so cliche and embarrassing but it's true and like like I said there's there's no right or way wrong way to do anything I think throughout life there will be your your priorities will shift but it's that accepting of those priorities that will shift 
Mm-hmm. Like, there, like I said, there'll be times where I step back into that bodybuilding regimented lifestyle. And that doesn't mean that that any it doesn't mean I'm any better or any worse. Right. Like it's just different. It's what serves you at that time. Because what happened to me was I took a step back and my mental health actually declined because I was trying to be something that I wasn't. I was trying to convince myself that I hated bodybuilding and that I didn't want to be that and I just wanted to be totally chilled and relaxed. And it's like, but you're actually just pushing yourself to be something that you're not. Mm. And as a result, you aren't happy. And as a result, every single check-in that I was doing for my coach, which is negative, negative. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. I'm frustrated and this, that, and the other. But obviously, I've got to be careful about how I do it now. But that's, that's, a, that's a story for a totally different podcast in another day. Um, but I just kind of want to touch upon the last little bit before I let you crack on with living your best life. Is <laughs> what sort of signs and signals will be right for you to know that stepping back into bodybuilding is the right thing for you at that time. Because obviously right now, everything that you're doing is serving you. But what do you think will be sort of signs or whether that's physiological, mental, that for you will signal, you know what, maybe I actually want to get back into the realms of competing or just that lifestyle? I think not feeling um, claustrophobic in that in that environment, like having the desire to get up and meal prep and all of that sort of stuff. Like at the moment, the thought of using my fitness power literally makes me shudder. Like I'm like, I just, there is, and again, it, it's so weird. Like clients would come to me and say, I'm I'm so tired of using my fitness power only after like two or three or four months. And I'd be like, I don't get it, just do it. Like literally, how, how, how would you feel that way? But when I have a desire to do that and a desire to feel that way and live that life, I think that will be the time that that will be the most telling because like I said at the moment the thought of doing all of those things the thought of training five days a week in a push pull legs up a lower split tracking all my food and eating the same thing every day I don't I it, it just bores me yeah whereas I think and I think when I feel like I'm ready to get back to that then I'll know and yeah. I think physiologically Obviously, I may feel better in some in some way, shape, or form, and feel like okay, right, my body feels like it's going to function well. I think having a regular cycle for at least a year, if you think about it, like if, if you or I have lost it for six years, one year of waiting is the least that we owe our body, right? Yeah, sure. So I think just being patient. Um, and waiting till I have a regular cycle that's a regular length, you know, having a period every three weeks it, it is not normal. Yeah. That's not regular. That yeah, it's it, it's regular in terms of it's too bloody regular, but it's not regular in terms of like my body is happy and coasting at a place where it should be. Yeah. It, there's still obviously elements that are unbalanced and stressed. Definitely. And I think taking a step back from that. Like when, when my body feels like, I think you, you, it's so cliche, but you just know, do you know what I mean? Like, I just knew when it was time to take a step back. And I said to Josh, I said, like, I just need to change my goal right now. And I said, I just need mentally, I feel like I just need to focus on something different. And that's all, that's all I could articulate. And I was really struggling with check-ins because I just wasn't enjoying them and enjoying the process. And I was just like, this is just a chore. And I think, I, I will know when I'm when I'm ready to step back into that 
and I think it's it's more of a mental thing than a physiological thing but I think they will be both linked yeah. um but yeah physiologically definitely waiting until my periods and my blood work have been regular for a good amount of time yeah and it's so important is that so important like yeah. part of me just wants to dive into it but I know I can't I know I need mm. to get things regular for like I said a good amount of time because it's been so long and I'm fortunate that the person who's behind me is literally saying there's no chance that I would even consider it until mm. 2023. So I'm very fortunate to have that support as well and make sure that we keep things that are a priority a priority. Because ultimately it is, you know, your health and everything is super important. Mm, exactly. And I think also it's just like a couple of years in the grand scheme of things is nothing. No. Like it, and it's so important to focus on the gratitude of everyday life and the gratitude of of what your body can do for you mm-hmm. and what life can be be like mm. and i say this to loads of clients who are going through reverse diets or a gaining phase or whatever i'm like look at your life <laughs> yes you haven't got abs yes you aren't as lean as you have been previously but but put your focus and put your energy into what you can do you are stronger you socialize more you have more energy you sleep better your digestion is better like there are so many positives if you choose to look for them but if you choose to focus on the fact that you don't have abs you have more body fat than you usually do like blah 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 blah. of course you're going to be negative until you choose to look for the positives the positives will never be your priority and that's in whatever phase of life you are in like your perspective and your outlook is so pivotal to your health and your happiness and your success yeah not everything isn't it that's gen- that's just not just body composition that is literally absolutely everything you you choose what you see mm-hmm, exactly you get to so look for a yellow car and you'll find them it, well it is isn't it it's like when you want something you see more of them because mm-hmm. you're biased towards that it's like yeah when- and you hear what you want to hear as well like in all all sorts of things I, I always say this about what, you know, when you get to Christmas and every bloody person does something on YouTube or Instagram, that's like how to deal with the festive period and like all of this sort of stuff. And it's like, you will find whatever you are looking for. You, if you want to find someone who tells you to track on Christmas day, to do your cardio, to train and have no days off, you will find that. And if you want someone to tell you that you can binge eat on Christmas day, you will find that. And if you want to find someone who tells you that there's moderation and all of that sort of stuff, you will find it. So, you know, that's, that's the, the pluses and minuses of social media, right? There's someone who's showing you everything, like every option that there is, there's some, there'll be someone to support it. And that's why social media can be detrimental because obviously if you're in a negative headspace and you're looking for someone to justify that, you will find it. So it's just so important to actually spend some time working on yourself to work out actually what does make me happy what does set my soul on fire what what do i i want to do not what does everyone else want me to do yeah screw what anyone else wants me to do yeah literally do it for you you. that was a really really motivational way to end things (laughs) (laughs) we can't just go off on another tangent we need to leave it on that you know leave people thinking oh as they're walking listening for podcasts and (laughs) yeah and walk out for yellow cars on their way home Exactly. Um, no, that was absolutely epic. So thank you for your time. I know we kind of went on a bit of a tangent on what we were going to discuss, but it's been really, really insightful. It's been really, really insightful for me. And I, I, know, I know you quite well. So I think for listeners, it's going to be pretty awesome. But for anyone who doesn't follow you already, whereabouts can they find you on socials? 
So I'm mainly just on Instagram these days. I don't really do YouTube or anything anymore. Um, but no, it's I'm good. Pardon? I'm good. I know. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually had a couple of people in my recent question box being like, when are the vlogs starting? And I'm like, my life is so boring. Um, but it's at Hayley Irwin Coaching on Instagram. Um, and that's, yeah, my socials and in order to sign up for coaching as well. Perfect. Well, we'll let Hayley crack on living her best life. And Thank we'll you so much for having me on. I really appreciate no, it's been it. it a pleasure. And we'll catch you on the next one.